right. Welcome, one and all. It's the Kaufman Show on TSN 690. Dave Kaufman, Jay Farrar, and joining us tonight, Terry Haig. What a thrill it is to have Terry Haig in studio on the Kaufman Show. Man, this is cool. Hey Dave, I'm not in. I'm not. I'm not in the in the in the beer yet. You know, in the beer, <laughs> in the beer, B-I-E-R. Oh, the beer. Talking about me like a... <laughs> I'm talking to you about you I'm not like that old no. young fella. Well, no, yeah. you're not. But uh, I'm talking about you like uh, how many other guys that used to call Expos games uh-huh. have sat have stayed around till midnight to do my show? It's you, you, and you. Really? Yeah. Uh, you you need, think Elliot you need, gets you need, up this early? Yeah, you need better friends. <laughs> well, I've got I've got you, so it's good. No, it's uh, very cool. Uh, as you know, I I, uh, I try to bring a little bit of what you brought on late night radio with Play at the Plate, and uh, and, and have tried to to continue that that passion that that you brought across with your love of baseball, and uh, it's great to have you here, man. Uh, play at the Plate was it had less to do with me. It was just timing was perfect. It was just magical. It was before the internet, before all these tweets things, and and and, <laughs> and people actually sat down and talked, and the guys would come in and talk for two and three hours at a time, and everybody was equal, whether you were a ball player or a caller, a ten-year-old caller, man. It yeah. was, uh, and I got fired. <laughs> That'll teach me. <laughs> With my usual finger on the pulse of the nation. Yeah, but when, when you got fired, wasn't that to do with... Uh, Dennis. Dennis Martinez. Yeah. Well, Melnick had a fight with Richard Morancy, and then they closed down my studio. Uh, studio. It's like a little box, and right. Uh, right across from the clubhouse. I never figured that out. Actually, Melnick has the fight, and they closed down my studio. <laughs> but then Melnick said it was you. They couldn't tell the difference. Yeah. That, well, you know, I, I was, I was, <laughs> he was smaller then. Uh, <laughs> and the fact is, okay. So then we commandeered the uh, the broadcast booth that night after Dennis was traded. We went upstairs, and we con- with Richie Griffin. The uh, the PR for the expo standing guard. We went into the Dave Dave's broadcast booth, Dave Edhorn's broadcast, and we did play at the plate because we couldn't get into the studio. And Dennis got on, and he let her rip, man. <laughs> he let her rip that night. He just said, you know, in baseball. You gotta have balls, and he said nobody in this front office has any balls. And um, wow, and uh, because it was, it was a ridiculous trade. If you remember, they traded him for the fat Brian Hunter. Yeah, and not well, even he, the and fast he, one. Right, and he refused the trade though. He refused the trade. Damn right he did. He was a ten and five man, and we we're still in a pennant race. What was that about? And so, I, so, so the point was that everybody was calling and complaining to me, and I said. No, no, don't complain to me. Complain to Brochu. Mm. Write him a letter. I was just trying to politicize people sure. on how to use politics. And uh, that was <laughs> another brilliant career move. Yeah, but so one that, Brochu that made you... a call the next spring, made a call to CIQC, and he said, get rid of Haig. And that's what happened. So thank you, Mr. Brochu. All these years, I've kept it in. Nice going, man. <laughs> and now you know the rest of the story. Well, that is the story. But you did come back because you, after Dave left, Van Horn left, you and Elliot took yep. over the reins. That was fun. That, that was, was really fun. I yeah. loved that. You yeah. know what? Those were a couple of the worst Expos teams there were. And you guys made it really fun to, to follow along all season. Well, Elliot loves baseball. Elliot, and Elliot's a good play-by-play guy. He sure is. You know? He really is. So I just had to hang. I mean, I just had to 
sit there and listen to him. <laughs> Try doing that. <laughs> no, Elliot, it was good. Elliot's a really good. I, I don't know. He got. I think he sh- they should have taken him to Washington. Yeah, well, you know what? If if um, if the visa rules hadn't been changed so drastically after nine eleven, he would have for sure gotten that job. Because he, and th- and the fact that the Nationals used the old Senators guy. I think his name is oh, Charlie, Charlie Slows, yeah. I think his name oh, okay. is. okay. And plus, and, Elliot was not working for the ball club. He was working for the radio station. Right. If he'd been working for... He's still working El- for the same radio Elliot, station. Yeah, Elliot will get his chance in 2019 when the new team comes okay, over. Good. And he'll be the play-by-play guy okay, for good. TSN 690 when that happens. Okay. You know that on the Rays right now, their ace pitcher is named Price. Yeah. They just signed uh, Navin Ontario's Eric Bedard. And uh, in their minor league system, he bounces up, he bounces down, is a pitcher whose last name is Beliveau. See, it's yeah, perfect. I know. Jeff Bellyboy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, but I feel like it's all lining up. Okay. We need a Bellyboy, a Bedard, <laughs> and a, a Bellevue, Price. A Bellyboy, a Bedard, and a Price. Yeah. Okay. I, I, again, all we Like I'm Brian now, said earlier, it's all coming together. That's right. As Brian said, uh, the stars are sort of aligning. All we're missing right now is that billionaire. And uh, who knows? But let maybe, me ask you guys. Maybe that billionaire just bought us a st- built us a studio. So uh, does the fact that they have the revenue sharing and all that stuff now, and and the schmata and this and that, does that because I'm wondering if we have the wealth to have the skyboxes. Because at one point, skyboxes ruled. Do we have the wealth in this town to have skyboxes to support, or is that is that a, is that a moot point now with the revenue sharing? I think it's it's a moot point now with the revenue sharing. But yes, we absolutely do have the ability to have corporate suites. Well, and if course. you look at the companies well, at that the are Bell still Center. in the city, yeah, okay. It's just whether they, they want to pay for it at the Bell Center and at Jackie Robinson Stadium. Mm. Oh, Jackie Robinson Stadium. Uh, people say Gary Carter Stadium since Carter passed away. Uh, I think it's Jackie Robinson Stadium. Uh, it was going to be Jackie Robinson Stadium when it was going to be built ten years ago. And uh, I don't think there. I don't think the the new team would be in a position to, as much as it's it's romantic, to have an old player's name on the stadium. Jackie Robinson Park be, at Labatt Stadium. Even then, even then, this might have to be an exclusive. <laughs> An exclusive uh, name, a brand name on the stadium in order for for them to get anywhere. They're not going to be in a position to be able to choose, I don't think. Because the new Mets park, uh, they wanted to, there was talk of having it be Robinson Stadium as well. Yeah, Yeah, and talk of of even calling it Ebbets at one point, I believe. Well, it's based Um, on Ebbets Field, the the veneer, the outside of it, it looks a bit like Ebbets Field. Well, I know that, uh, I guess it's about 10 years ago that uh, it was initially Pac Bell and now AT&T Park in San Francisco, but Ralph Lauren was in serious negotiations for them to name it the Polo Grounds. Really? Yeah, but he just couldn't afford it. He couldn't understand. That's wild. Yeah, I thought that would have been really neat if Polo sponsored it, and then the Giants would have played at the Polo Grounds. Colognes and bad shirts. Okay, let's uh, take a break, Jay. (laughs) Okay, and uh, we've got an ad to play for Polo. I think right now. No, we don't. Oh, we don't. We're not going to do that. No Polo ads, unless they're willing to sponsor us, which we don't have. I'm sure they are. (laughs) I'm sure they are. Everybody's willing to sponsor the Kaufman Show. Just send uh, Jay a tweet at the Ferrar side if you want to sponsor us. Yes, do that. Do that. I'll I'll hook you up with the right people. That's what I do, Dave. Let's see. <laughs> it's Ferrar. He's a rainmaker. Th- that too. Mm. That that as well. Mm. He connects and he makes rain. Make it rain, Jay Ferrar. Torben Ralston's around the corner. Ferrar, Hagen, Kaufman on the Kaufman Show tonight. Already feels like 1 a.m. is going to come way too quickly.
Welcome back to the Kaufman Show on TSN 690. Dave Kaufman, Jay Farrar, and Terry Haig. This is Chancellor Gordon Downey. Yeah, you know there's a Gord Downey album that came out like 20 minutes ago. You're, you're lucky I'm even here right now, Farrar. 20 minutes ago? Yeah, well, it, it's Music Tuesday, right? Drops at midnight, so when I get home, I normally have a tradition. I finish the show, I go home, I'm more awake than I am at any point in the day, and I go home and I watch the new Archer episode. <laughs> and I split a gut, man. I, I That show just kills me. It's I've heard some things. It, it is, um, it's a cartoon about a spy agency and it slays me man it absolutely slays me it's uh, many of the the voice actors are uh, former cast members from Arrested Development and okay. uh, H John Benjamin who also uh, plays the lead in Bob's Burgers is the main voice he's Sterling Archer and it's filthy and it's hilarious and it's always my Monday tradition I stay up very late after the show I come home and I watch Archer and uh, this week I'm going to probably go home and download the new Gore Downey album. It's Gore Downey and the Sadies, another great Canadian band. And uh, I like the Gord's branching out. I'm really looking forward to uh, to checking out this album. Cool. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, though, time for some laughter. Why don't we have enough laughter in this world? Torben Rolson joins us now. He is the resident comedian on The Kaufman Show. joins us every Monday from sunny, beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. Hello, Torben. Dave, Jay, Terry, how are you guys doing? We're great. How are you? Doing well. What's going on? Well, nice weather out here, you know, fighting hockey players for tea time. (laughs) (laughs) Well put. Uh, Do you hear what uh, Tortorella referred to uh, one of the members of the media as today? (laughs) What was that? Well, uh, somebody called him uh, Mark or Mike by mistake. Right. And he responded with, hey, asshole. Yeah. Which I thought was really classy. That that John Tortorella for you. I saw a picture of that. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, that uh, how the mighty have fallen. Yeah. It's I hope unbelievable. Reddit Shanahan uh, is going to make explanation videos every time the Leafs do something wrong. That would be great. So does <laughs> whoever supplies the Leafs with computer memory. <laughs> NSA oh. won't have as many files. <laughs> Can you imagine if you guys had Shanahan? Like if you guys just out of nowhere. It just it seems so preposterous to me. I guess maybe the equivalent would be more of a a, a, a Niedermeyer, someone from BC. <laughs> yeah, interesting times ahead for sure. <laughs> uh, Tor- Toronto Mayor Rob Ford, you know, uh, he was warned by security staff about his behavior last weekend at the ACC. Ford said he was totally sober and coherent and looking forward to attending Leafs playoff games. <laughs> ben Johnson joined Ford's re-election team. Both men endorsed an anti-drug testing platform. <laughs> <laughs> from nice the guy moment. who sponsored Cheetah. <laughs> <laughs> nice moment at the end of the uh, Oiler Ryan Smith's final game when all the Vancouver Canucks returned to the ice to shake hands with them. It was the highlight of the Canucks season. Oh, you poor Canucks fan, you. <laughs> well, yeah, when I heard Trevor Linden was likely returning to the Canucks, I wasn't sure if it was as management or a depth forward. <laughs> <laughs> he could have made that team this year. Yeah, he could have. And the Flames' Paul Byron uh, put Daniel Sedin on a stretcher to the hospital Sunday night. You know, uh, we need Shanahan to come back and suspend Byron for the entire Calgary Stampede. <laughs> Worst case scenario for BC's Grizzly Bears. Hunting season has started, and David Booth is out of the playoffs. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> yeah. The Capitals' Yaroslav Halak sat out against the Blues, much to the chagrin of Coach Adam Oates. Halak and Oates, no can do. One more time, Torben, I missed that. Halak and Oates, no can do. <laughs> Johnny Manziel reportedly scored a 32 on the Wonderlick. Maybe he was accidentally given a bartending exam. 
Wow. Nice. Nice. That possible? Yeah, that's what it. What a stretch for the 49ers. Who would have thought Coachella would be California's second largest drunken revelry of the week? <laughs> and Raptors center, Jonas Valanciunas was charged with a DUI by OPP and followed it up with a career best game. Maybe more NBA players will want to take their talents to Wasaga Beach. <laughs> and is Manny Pacquiao's mother some sort of witch doctor? She was at ringside Saturday clutching beads, crucifix, chanting, pointing at people. It was like Rocky, Rocky meets the exorcist. Wow. Wow. I, I feel like we need a little uh, Pedro Serrano Joe Boo mixed in there for good measure. <laughs> I watched some of the Masters, the one golf tourney followed closely by the BDSM community. What? Why? The master. Uh, <laughs> and good. hey, groans. Okay. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Took me a second, Tarvin. Sorry. I'm, I'm used to those curveballs from Dr. <laughs> Lori next door, but not from you. Hey, just did a Frank. Like any other. Yeah, Hey, just did a Frank Robinson there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there a ball game whoa, going whoa, on? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> What's happening? telling jokes here. Yeah. <laughs> said midweek he missed having Tiger there. Phil certainly did a good good job of making sure he could go see him Friday evening. <laughs> and NASCAR fans attending the uh, Duck Commander 500 in North Texas last week had to pass through a metal detector and were refused admission unless they were carrying firearms. <laughs> Jeez. America. <laughs> New attendance record to the Final Four, 79,444. Most people to ever watch a tourney game on a Jumbotron. <laughs> <laughs> the screen was bigger than the court. <laughs> Kentucky, Florida, Wisconsin. Was that the final four or a remake of Deliverance? Oh. <laughs> and Drake was in a Yukon shirt immediately after the game ended. That guy changes clothes faster than Lady Gaga. Nice. Wow. <laughs> CSN Houston got a 0.0 rating for an Astros-Angels game Monday. That viewership makes mind games look like Game of Thrones. What's weird is I was watching that game. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. Someone needs to tell you, Seal Puig, that the L.A. sports tradition of showing up to games late and leaving early is just for the fans. <laughs> I mean, he's got to beat the traffic. Come on. Right. And finally, the season just started and the Oakland A's clubhouses are already flooding with sewage backup. Time to repost the old signs. Needles go in wastebaskets, not toilets. Oh, oh man. That was a long time ago. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna send Shaka Brody after you for that one, Torben. Okay. <laughs> Follow him on Twitter at Van Guy. He joins us every Monday night. Torben Rolfson, thank you so much for your time. Have a great night, Montreal. Talk to you later. You too, buddy. We'll uh, speak to you soon. Let's uh, take a break. Jay Farrar has a sports update coming up. You enjoying the the board work there, Jay? I'm I'm getting a little used to it here. It's not too bad. Good. I think I'm playing the wrong song though. Well, that's okay. We we've, we've got our hash pipe. Second time in the last half hour. Oh, did we? We've got uh, our we hash went pipe. with this one? All right. Well, that's okay. That. that was a Marco pick. Of course it was. It's a song so nice, we'll play it twice. Shocking. <laughs> it's the Kaufman Show. Hague, you're having fun? Yeah. All right, good. It's Kaufman, Hague, Farrar, John Kakalakis. You can come sit over here, John, if you want to uh, jump in on the conversation. We're going to be talking about a very important anniversary in Major League Baseball coming up next.
Welcome back to the Kaufman Show on TSN 690. Dave Kaufman, Jay Farrar, Terry Haig, John Kakalakis has moved up to the big boys table right now. And uh, I think it's really cool that Jay Farrar is rocking his Brooklyn Dodgers hat. And I am rocking my new Keep the Dodgers in Brooklyn t-shirt. And tomorrow is the 68th anniversary of Jackie Robinson's Major League debut with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And uh, all of baseball is going to pay tribute tomorrow. Really interesting stuff going on in New York tomorrow, where the Yankees are going to unveil a plaque in Monument Park for Nelson Mandela. One of the great Yankees of all time, of course. Um, Mandela did, I believe, give a speech at the old Yankee Stadium many, many years ago, which I guess shows the tie-in. But kind of cool to have uh, uh, someone who really is not at all related to baseball being associated with, uh, I guess, with the history of the game and with with the the history of race relations. It's just unbelievable. And I'm sorry, I said 68, 67th anniversary. It was the 68th anniversary of Jackie Robinson playing with the Royals. But 67 years ago, Jackie Robinson became the first African-American to play in the major leagues. That still boggles the mind, does it not? How so? What do you mean? Well, that, that, that for long, the yeah for the the seventy five years before that, that Major League Baseball was uh, the American obsession. the The color line was. What boggles the mind, Dave, is the fact that the Yankees didn't even sign a, the Red Sox didn't sign a black player Pumpsy until 15, Green. 15 years later, or whatever right. it was, 14 years later. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, there was real resistance. Yeah, and Robinson did try out for the Red Sox, and uh, the Yaki uh, family was, was not on board. Old, old South. Yeah. Old South. Yeah. yeah. Willie Mays uh, tried out for the Red Sox, too. <laughs> Way to go, Tom. Yeah. So that so it took him till what nineteen? What was it? Two thousand and four. Yeah, from nineteen eighteen to two thousand and four. Yeah. And and from nineteen eighteen to nineteen fifty nine, did not have an African American on the team in the clubhouse at Fenway, which ja- is insane. Yeah. Jackie Robinson. I saw him when I was tending bar way back in the early seventies on on Crescent Street, and he broadcast some of the games. We used to have Wednesday night. Well, no, you, you don't even remember Vitalis. So we used to have only the only game we saw was on Wednesday night. Uh, I'm most sorry, of the time. I don't remember That's Vitalis, okay, Terry. But Jackie Robinson was was or Mister Robinson was sitting uh, at the Winston Churchill Pub. And I was taking a break from my from the other side of a place called the boiler room where I was working. And I walked through, and there he was, and he was hunched over, and he was he was in the end, the battle got him. He was a wreck, just looking at him, hunched over, looking, kept looking over his shoulder. It was like a, a, like a like a cat looking over his shoulder. And and it just I thought you son you know I won't say what I said to say my it. son no no I won't say it on the air but I mean I thought even they even got Jackie Robinson you know I mean look I grew up in the United States I'll tell you a story about racism in the United States how pernicious it is and how subtle it is when I was playing Babe Ruth League in a suburb of of New York there was a man that used to umpire our games and his name was Tom Boozer. And the word was that he had played in the Negro Leagues. 
And, you know, he was he umped our games. And, and so one night before the game, he went down the left field line and started throwing to the plate. And only a former pro could make pro. They were one hop to the plate. Oh, wow. One hop, one hop, perfect throws. And I, um, I was just really impressed. I was in awe that the guy could, could be this good. And I went home to tell my father. I said, you should have seen what Tommy Boozer did tonight. And he let me tell him what it was. But then when I was finished, he said, a question for you here. Uh, everybody on our street, he said, how old is Mr. Boozer? I said, he must, he must be 60. He said, you call everybody on our street Mr., don't you? Did Mr. Boozer ever give you permission to call him Tommy? And I said, no. He said, well, just think about that. And that's how, that's how pernicious racism was. I wasn't trying to be racist, but here was a 60-year-old man I was referring to by his first name, not in a condescending fashion, but enough of one. And just to bring this full circle, at one point we used to live across the street from a guy named Bennett Surf who was on a show called What's My Line? And Jackie Robinson was visiting Bennett Surf once. And Bennett Surf's son, Chris, was a pal of mine. And we were just sitting there and listening to Jackie Robinson talk to Bennett Surf in the living room. And Jackie Robinson, I remember this to this day, he said one of the things that bugged him the most about the whole society and the whole social thing, and especially with liberals, is that liberals who are fighting for, you know, equality would call a 65-year-old woman by her first name, the woman who was taking care of their kids, the woman who was doing their house. And it just said it drove him absolutely crazy. So there, there's two lessons there about how subtle, about the subtler side of racism. We know about the big issues of racism. Yep but how subtle it can be in the United States. And as Marquise Grissom once said to me, he said, you know, driving wild black, man, he said, you can drive down the street in a Cadillac, but don't go out in a lake in a yacht if you're black. (laughs) You know? And that's scary. And and you know what? Just today there was an article that came out, uh, Doug Glanville, former ball player, who uh, works for the ESPN and does occasional writing for the New York Times, wrote an article about being racially profiled in his driveway. Look, look, what, look, look, look at Mr. Obama, what he looked like when he got elected and look at him now. Oh, they all, oh, yeah. they all age, yeah. they all age very quickly. But what I find interesting is how many people don't call him Mr. Obama, don't call him President Obama. If you turn on CNN, if you turn on Fox News, if you turn on any of them. It's Barack. It, no, it's Obama. It's Obama. It's Obama. Or Barack Obama. And it was, mm-hmm. and it's President Reagan this, and it's President Bush that, and it's President Clinton this. It's so terrible. And it's Obama. It's so terrible to grow up with it, you know? I mean, it's just so deep and abiding. And I'm, I mean, I'm just so lucky that I had a father like that yeah. who could point that yeah. out to me. Yeah, Absolutely. well, that's where it comes from. It's funny, Terry, that you, you say... You, it's not funny, but I mean, you talk about the white hair. Well, Jackie Robinson had white hair while he was playing. That's right. It it, it just turned. If you look at footage mm-hmm. of him in 1947, and then you look at footage of him, let's say around 1954, right. 1953, right. just five or six years You're later, right, the yep. man has has a flock of white hair on mm-hmm. him. And you know, they talk about you know. Racism doesn't only kill through lynching and through beatings and That's through right. killing. It, it it kills in other ways. You can ask Rube Foster, you can ask Josh Gibson, and you can ask Jackie Robinson because I believe that all three of those men were killed by racism and racism alone. Yep. It yeah. has an effect on you that no one could really understand. Jackie Robinson, just, he had the saddest life. 
it, it, it's sure. crazy to think how how tragic a life Jackie well, Robinson he lost had. his son in he an lost automobile his son accident after his son came home from Vietnam yeah. mm-hmm. addicted to drugs mm-hmm. yeah. his son came home from Vietnam a very different person um, Robinson was very pro war was very pro um Ameri- no. He was a pro a pro American stance. He was a Republican. Yes, who, he was. Who, 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 but but he had a, he had a big fallout with Paul Robeson. Uh, After Robeson he being testified against Robeson. Well, well, he didn't really testify against against Robeson. But what 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 Mister Robinson believed was that. Uh, in capitalism, that that was the only way for the for the Negro, as it was called, as he, as they were, as people were called then, to get out of poverty. Um, Robeson, of course, took a different approach. He took the, the completely left wing approach. Um, but it, it's understandable, given what Jackie Robinson did in the life he lived. Uh, but in the end, they they made up. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, Robeson yeah. And, and Robinson. But I think that at the end, uh, there's a famous story about Robinson uh, at the '68 Republican convention, the famous convention. Yeah, in Chicago. In Chicago, yeah. and looking around and finally realizing that that was not his party and that wasn't where he belonged. But he thought. But the point is that he was trying to make a point that the the the, 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 the Negroes again. I use that word were taken for granted. By the Democratic Party, and so he was trying to create some some tension there, so that people would listen to the Negroes. Yeah. God forbid. He also, sorry, go ahead. No, that's it. He also he also believed in, in in kind of more traditional values, which the Republicans had a more a more of a tendency to represent. That's right. Uh, like you speak of calling a man sir or calling an older lady Mrs. Mm-hmm. Just small things like that, which I knew were which you know were very very important to Jackie Robinson. Mm-hmm. All about a. a traditional kind of old-fashioned sense of respect which i also admire about more of the conservative more of the the right you know it's something that that i think is lost on us and that that you know that he probably thought that the human race was losing as well is this traditional kind of etiquette which no longer existed anymore which the republican party still kind of pushed one mm-hmm. of the things that that mm-hmm. broke uh, robinson's heart at the end uh, of his life was that uh he was really hoping that he would live to see a black manager mm-hmm. in baseball, and that didn't miss it by much. No, he didn't miss it by much, and mm. of course it was he Frank. died very, yeah. very, very. It was he maybe he was fifty-five or fifty-three. Yeah, fifty-three. 53. Okay. He died of uh, complications from diabetes. He died from life. He died from a broken heart. Yeah, he died, he died from, from life. Yeah. He died from a, a very long and taxing life. And in those fifty-three years, he lived a lot more than most people do. Did you ever see him play, Terry? Sure. Sure, I saw him play. I, I look the, when I fell in love with baseball was was the nineteen fifty one season, which is famous for the Giants. Bobby Thompson's hitting the home run, the, the shot, shot around, around the, the world. But that weekend, uh, the the Giants had won in Boston, and then the the Dodgers to get into the to get into a playoff went to Philly. Jackie Robinson made this incredible play to save the game I think in the 10th inning and then won it with a homer in the in the 14th inning uh, against the Giants and the shot and Bobby Thompson the shot heard around the world Jay with pinch batter Frank Keller at bat Robinson dashes to the plate it's close and umpire Summers calls him safe on the daring maneuver, but Yogi Berra doesn't think so. 
<laughs> wow, that's amazing. That's the play-by-play of him stealing home with Frank Keller at the plate yeah. in the 55 series, I believe it was. And Yogi, to this day... Says he had him. Said he had yeah. him. But uh, Robinson, I never saw anybody control a game like Robinson when he got on base. It, the, the tone of... I mean, I, the tone changed completely. So I started watching baseball in 51, 52. I really got involved. He retired in 55 when, in fact, again, when After they traded, traded. him to the Giants. Yeah. Yeah. For Dick Littlefield, you know, I mean, it was it was unbelievable. See, this is what management misses. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I you were talking about intangibles that when he got on base, uh, it had nothing to do, not even with his speed. It's the way he acted on the base, yeah. which intimidated the pitcher. That's yeah. right, put totally. The, to put the gave a sense of it panic in the pitcher, it which amazing. nobody can comprehend. Yeah. You know, and that is something that you cannot see on a stat sheet. Actually, of no. all the things that they screwed up. That was the one, one of the things that the movie Forty Two did well mm-hmm. was was showing that he, how he was able to construct uh, a run psychologically, yeah. just get inside the pitcher's head. Uh, and again, I don't know if you saw the movie or not, Terry, but it, I did see parts of it. Yeah, the it, kid did a good job, eh? Yeah, except that the Jackie Robinson, whose sound bites I've heard all through the years, was about four octaves higher. Yeah, he always had because he used to have a radio show uh, on in New York on Saturday mornings. That you could listen to, and he had this high-pitched voice, um, and he would. It wasn't just a sports show; he was just coming on and talking, as I remember. And I, I remember madly falling in love with Jackie Robinson. I mean, even though I was a Giant fan, uh, I mean Jackie Robinson. I mean, you couldn't miss that one. Right. You know, you couldn't miss what this guy was doing. Just got a tweet coming in uh, saying, uh, "Tell Terry I was completely riveted by his Delino De Shields interview in the uh, early '90s." Which uh, is pretty cool because it's one of the reasons that that I grew so right. fond of listening to you was hearing you talk about Delino De Shields and drawing the comparisons between Delino and Jackie Robinson. Delino got it, man. Delino understood it. I, I mean, look, I, I assume that if you're a black man, you get it. <laughs> I mean, uh, some do, some don't. I think that there are a lot who don't understand what Jackie Robinson, who are playing now. Oh no, I'm just talking about life. I'm talking oh, about yeah. racism. Yeah, I'm talking. Sure. I'm, I'm, yeah. But Jackie Robinson, I was reading the the Wooden biography, the uh, Coach John Wooden, and, and Jackie Robinson was a great all around athlete. Eh? He played basketball he at track, UCLA. Uh, yeah, track, he track. He played football. Yeah. He played football with Kenny Washington. He was just a phenomenal athlete, um, all the way around. And and in fact. Got court-martialed or threatened with court-martialed in the uh, during the Second World War for uh, being for, Rosa for, Parks. Well, no, yeah, because he wouldn't move to the back of the move bus. To the back of the bus. Yeah, I mean, you know. I, it, anyway, I it, it it's heartbreaking. It it, it is truly hard. the thing that I re, what I wonder though. And here's something: What about the University of Mississippi basketball team and football team that's all black? What are those people? What are those fans thinking, man? I've always wondered about that. What do you mean? I mean, they have to root for black guys, even though they're wearing the uh, the Mississippi State uni- uniform and the old Miss uniform. What? Uh, you, you keep thinking that progress should be made, that, 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 huh. that, that, that um, yeah. you know, but it doesn't, I guess it is being made, just it's very, very slow, and people... I guess our people are totally terrified. It's like what we were talking about on CJD, you know, I, I, earlier today. People just are terrified of anybody different. Yep. And, and we saw that in the election here. It's the oldest play in the playbook. Create the enemy. Create fear. Create division. Create division and you get to rule, you know. Um, but he he was a, a... What a force. I just want... I saw him... 
played golf one again at Bennett Surf's house. Maybe the same night I heard him talk about the calling people by their first name, older people by their first. They, he had a two-hole golf course, Bennett Surf, and Jackie Robinson went up and was just hitting from the tee to the green, right on the money. I mean, what <laughs> it's to watch a beautiful. It's like Mr. Boozer. Like when Mr. Boozer was making those throws from Babe Ruth League before the game. It's, there's something marvelous about a wonderful athlete. There's a great story that uh, I heard Vin Scully tell about um, skating with Jackie Robinson. Really? And how he, uh, yeah, and there's a picture. I'll, I'll pull it up for you after the show of uh, Vin Scully and Jackie Robinson on ice skates about to start a race. Really? And it was just a, a testament to the, the fact that the guy could do anything. Here he is from Cairo, Georgia. Well, he's from L.A. He's from Pasadena. Okay, same thing. Basically. Uh, Not much. Uh, I'm sure he didn't spend much time on the rinks growing up in L.A. No, no, no. Uh, uh, But, you know, for me, he's just he's this romanticized version of everything that's right with baseball. It's everything that's right with society. I think yeah. you got to take yeah. it past baseball. No, but so right. is so right. Robeson, you know? I mean, Robeson was a phenomenal athlete and great athlete, too. It it, it it couldn't have been easy on either of them to See, have that falling I don't that know that side out. of Robeson. I know Robeson as, as the, the voice. Oh, no. Robeson was a communist. Yeah, but wasn't famous he? Famous communist. No, no, no. <laughs> I know, but you, you just said that he was a, a great athlete. Oh, he was Which, an all-American. Yeah. I think he went to Rutgers. He was he was a phenomenal athlete. Okay, he's an all-American football player, and I think he but was a, a pinko. I believe, I, a pinko. yeah, I exactly. believe he was a decathlete too. I think he I think he was a decathlete as well. Uh, oh no, Robeson was more than just a voice. Robeson, yeah. a force, man, huh. a force. Uh, I believe he's he's from. He went to Rutgers. Chris Christie's um, right, no, no, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, you know, it's um, there were certain schools where he wouldn't have had the opportunity back then to be a star. A, f- a friend of mine named Dwight Druick, who's a terrific musician, and he's making a comeback now. And, he, and we were talking the other night or a while back, and I said, uh, and I said, you've really earned this, man. You know, he's really. He said, No, I didn't. I said, What do you mean? He said. I just had the incredibly good luck to be born in the northeast section of North America, you know, and so Robeson was born. Robeson yeah, got to go to Jersey, school in New Jersey, exactly. not not Georgia, where he might have been lynched. Right, you know. Um, you wonder the spitting on John Lewis a couple of years ago when he was going from to vote on the Medicare on the Obamacare, mm-hmm. you know, going from the House to the. Uh, this is a man who led the march across the uh, the Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. Yeah, who marched and, and, with Dr. King. Yeah, and he's getting and, and getting spit on by. Uh, <laughs> it's scary. It's really, really, really scary that people are that terrified of life that they have to put somebody else down. I mean, that's just, you know, it's self-evident, but it's horrible. 63 years after you first became a fan and you're still calling him Mr. Robinson. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, it's like Mr. Mr. Alou never gave me permission to call him Philippe. Hmm. You know, I call him Mr. Alou. He never gave me, I mean, you don't go up, you don't call him Felipe or Philippe as, as he was called before the, the E was at it. Just a, a side- Mr. Alou. He didn't. He, he never gave me permission. The uh, highlight of my baseball weekend, when the uh, the Mets and the Blue Jays were in town, and the '94 Expos were in town, was meeting up with Terry Haig. At we met at 11 a.m. on the Saturday at the uh, 
in front of the media entrance. And we walked in. We went up the, the uh, elevator together. We walked up the concourse together, and we're heading towards the broadcast booth. And we see this open door, and suddenly we can see that all the 94 Expos are in there. And we kind of give each other a look, and we're like, yeah, we're going to walk in and act like we own the place. And yeah. we walked in, and right away, Marquise Grissom sees Terry, stops the interview he's doing, comes over, big hug, how you doing, they catch up. Then John Wetland sees Terry Haig, stops what he's doing, runs over, mm. big hug, full 10-minute catch-up. And then I look over, and, and I see that Larry Walker's doing a sit-down interview with uh, Toronto Sun writer Bob Elliott, Hall of Fame baseball writer Bob Elliott. And the second that Walker realizes that Haig's in the room, he ends the interview with Elliott, runs over, big hug, full catch-up. That was the highlight for me. And when you say that, that the, the platitudes off the top of the show were too much, Terry, you are as much a piece of that Montreal baseball as those guys are. For a lot of people that are listening, for those of us that are lucky to know you, it's an awesome link to the history of baseball in the city. And your passion has made so many people baseball fans. And it's it's so wonderful to have you back on the radio and so happy that you're here tonight. But that was so wonderful to have those guys come in and talk. Because they're great guys. They're really cool guys. They're great guys. And and uh, look, it all started with Mike Fitzgerald. Uh, when I was about two weeks into my writing days, my beat writing days of the Montreal Daily News, I was sitting on the bus going, no, nobody had talked to me. No. And then Fitzy, we were going to the bus at the airport, sat down next to me. And I knew I was all right. And I could go. If you want to know what's going on on a baseball team, you go to the catcher. Mm-hmm. The catcher, well, there, yeah, the, the, Jay was a catcher, you know, the catcher. That's why you got to come to me if you want to know what's going on. That's right. I know you're the rainmaker, man. But I mean, the but it was, it was so cool. It was it just because I'd built the guys from my writing days, those guys, the, the, those guys trusted me to know that I wasn't out to make, to make a name for myself. It was about them. Terry, you're gonna come back and join us another uh, sure. Another late now Monday was this the Kaufman show or P.S. I love you or whatever? <laughs> what was it? Hey, which show yes, is this? I this, love you. This uh, one's the Kaufman <laughs> show. Okay. What was the one at eleven? Game night OT. Game night OT. Yeah, brought okay. to you by Vitalis. Hey, grill <laughs> cream, a little double do you? Okay, Jay, will you uh, start the track over? I want to give it its uh, full due sure. tonight. Uh, this is a song that we close every show on. It's a uh, Halifax, uh, Dartmouth, Nova Scotia musician by the name of Joel Plaskett, and it's called "I Love This Town." Is and, he talking uh, about our town? For the purposes of, of this song, he's talking about Dartmouth, but we've uh, we've appropriated it. And uh, thanks to Jay, thanks to John, and thank, thank you so you much, Thank you for having Terry. me, you guys. It was a total treat Always to be with pleasure, you. Thank Terry. you, you guys. Nobody cares how much money you have If you've got enough to get in a cab There'll be drinks on the house if your house burns down There's a reason that I love this town I saw your band in the early days We all understand
shot the shit with miniature Tim. If he needs a tune, then I'll write one for him. We like the same books and we like the same sounds. There's a reason that I love this town. I played a show in Kelowna last year. Said, pick it up, Joel. We're dying in here. Picture one hand clapping, then picture half that sound. There's a reason that I hate that town. If you saw my band in the early days, then you understand why we moved away. You hold a grudge anyway because it's fun. Davey and me face down in our soup. Some French restaurant. I saw Riviere de Lou last night at the tour. We burnt the place to the ground. There's a reason that I love this town. There's a reason that I love this town. There's a reason that I love this town. listening to The Kaufman Show on TSN 690. For Jay Farrar and Terry Haig, I'm Dave Kaufman, and we'll see you next Monday night.